All right, welcome back to JB Squared. I'm JB Hager, joined by the original JB, Johan Bruniel, to get his take on the stage one of the 2023 Tour de France and to look ahead at tomorrow and what's going on with the teams, individuals, all of that. Uh, and also a very unprecedented thing happened today. If you haven't seen it, I won't give away too much, but I'm guessing if you're listening to this and haven't seen it yet, you don't mind. Something cool happened with brothers in the Tour de France. So uh, we will get to all that in a second. But first, I just have a couple of messages and offers from our partners. Our first partner I want to tell you about is HVMN. I wish you could see it. Well, you'll probably see it on some of our social posts for sure. But they sent us a whole ketone IQ fridge that we have down in the studio. And it's loaded with their shots uh, of ketones, ketone IQ. And everybody's just geeking out about it and using it. I've been using it daily for about three months, a shot a day. And, you know, you guys know, if you've been listening to the show, I'm not going to be the kind of guy where I go, here's how I'm performing physically, but I can tell you this mentally, I feel much, much better using ketones because it uh, delivers fuel that can cross the blood brain barrier and supply your brain with sustained energy, mental focus, and sharpness. I've definitely felt an improvement worth it for me on that category alone. And uh, most of the Peloton is using uh, ketones and HVMN is a, is a great, great uh, partner of ours with this. So check it out. They're also available in Sprouts throughout the U.S. If you have one of those in your city, you can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at HVMN.com slash the move. Again, visit HVMN.com slash the move and subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. Also a great partner of ours is Ventum Bikes, uh, VentumRacing.com. In fact, Dia, the, the founder, CEO, he's been here in Colorado. We've been getting some time with him. Uh, everybody's getting their new NS1s and GS1s. I just got the new GS1 a couple months ago. Really enjoying a gravel bike. Never owned a gravel bike before in my life. And uh just can't get enough of it. It just sort of opens your mind up about where you want to go and ride and stay fit and have fun, ride with your friends. It's really, really great. Uh, the all new GS1 is now available in the minted colorway. It's exclusively with SRAM Apex AXS for just $29.99 that you can get into a GS1. Uh, for three grand, right? That really is amazing. Go check them out. The build out on their site when you spec out your bike covers everything. You can pick your components, you can pick your crank length, you can pick the width of your handlebars, your stem length. Uh, it really is amazing and very, very user friendly to build out your bike. So uh, get 10% off when you use the code we do, W E D U, at checkout at ventumracing.com slash the move. Okay, again, 10%. Use the code we do, phantomracing.com slash the move. Okay, Johan, I am excited to talk to you about it today. What a way to kick off the Tour de France. I just, I can't help but keep thinking about how quite often you have a prologue uh, or a very flat stage to kick, kick off the tour. I mean, from, from my recollection, during the your days as a director, it always seems like you would ease into the tour on week one. No, not the case. 182K and a big climb right out of the bang. It made for an exciting stage one. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's obviously very special, JB. And 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 uh, before I start, you know, this year also first time JB squared on video for people who <laughs> watch us instead yeah. of just listening to us. No, right? it's I, it's nice because there there were a lot of people very confused on YouTube, especially people who are very visual like to watch the show. In the comments over the past couple of years, they were always like, "Where's Johan? Where's Johan?" <laughs> and I'd have to say it's an audio feed only, and send them to that. Yeah. But but not everybody uses you know audio podcast as their platform of choice. So yes, this is a, a new thing for us this year. Yeah, but but as you say, JB, you know it's it's a very very unusual way to start off uh, a grand tour. Um, starting the Basque Country is almost, uh, you know, obligation that it's going to be hard uh, today. Was hard tomorrow. Is not easy either. Um, but especially today, you know, and, and then the final with that with that steep climb at the end, uh, a couple of really really harder climbs uh, before that, and especially the nerves and the speed, the cruising speed of the Tour de France at the beginning. You know, it's so it's so different than any other race and any other Grand Tour even, is that everybody's nervous at the start of the Tour de France. The teams are super ready. Everybody wants to be in the front. Um, and, uh, and we saw that today. You know, today, for example, there was initially a, a breakaway of five riders. They went from the gun. Um, with the approval of the of the peloton, but we all knew that this breakaway would not stand a chance, um, and and actually, you know, there was a point where where certain teams were pulling in the peloton. You know, uh, Sudal Quickstep was pulling, and and Alpecin was pulling, um, but actually, the breakaway got brought back. Not with when when the peloton had, didn't have the intention to pull them back, but only with the increase of the speed, when it, when they got to some narrow parts or to a hill, all of a sudden they were they were reeled in. So um, you could see that also on some of the climbs uh, that that particularly that that the third and second category climb, uh, you could see the peloton wide over the road but going fast and guys are, were getting dropped in the back. Normally you would see a team setting the pace. And guys getting dropped in the back. In the Tour de France, this is different. Sometimes I'm saying, you know, a minimum five per, five kilometers per hour. Sometimes ten kilometers per hour faster is the cruising speed of the peloton in the first week of the tour. The first later, week, course, yes. Later, of course, you yeah. know, people get tired and and it slows down. But the first week of the tour is just something else. And already today, we could we could see that uh, straight from the gun. Yeah, you have always historically talked about those those first day and first week jitters, and yeah, people settle in. But this was such a, a an interesting stage one. Uh, you know, do you feel like it's? I mean, we did see a couple crashes. We'll get to that. A couple of people crash out. Uh, one crashed out entirely. But uh, maybe a, a a much safer scenario than a sprint stage for stage one when you have the jitters. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think for the for the GC riders, definitely, this is a better stage, uh, and especially if they have a strong team. You know, to name both of the big favorites, uh, Jonas Vingegaard and and Pogacar with their teams, Jumbo Visma and UAE. For them, this was a less stressful stage, and it's still stressful. But you know, you you if it's hilly, they by definition come to the front, right? And uh, and it, in the last 30, 40 kilometers. There was not a lot of uh, people who were fighting for position. Normally, you have the sprinters with their sprinters, 
with their sprinter teams or some other teams who want to try and drop sprinters. This was not the case. Everybody knew that all the sprinters were going to get dropped. And it was just a matter of how many people could, could be there. And it came to a point where the, when the real final started, I think there was about 50 riders left in the peloton uh, before the last climb. So uh, I think that was kind of nice for the, for the favorites. You know, but before we talk about the GC battle and uh, other things that, that transpired today, we've got to talk about the Yates brothers. This is was incredible to see them both um, break away mm-hmm. and, and keep that gap, and uh, and for twin brothers to win like that. Just we've never seen anything quite like that, have you, we? You could not write that scenario. You know, I mean, it, I was imagining, you know, in the in the. I mean, I don't know if they're at the race or not, if they're at home in the living room of the Yates parents. Um, it must have been amazing uh, to, 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 to live that. This is unique. You know, I mean, you have, you have two sons, identical twins, and they're both world, world-class cyclists. And they're, one, they're, they're in a breakaway together in stage one of the biggest race in the world. That's, uh, that's, that's super, super unique. And I also was asking myself the question, you know, what would they be talking about? You know, what, how do they feel? Uh, obviously Adam Yates was super happy. Uh, I saw the interview of Simon Yates. He was not that happy. You know, mm. he, he, they're both winners, right? Simon Yates already won. He's a grand tour winner. He won the tour of Spain. Uh, he's won some big races already and they're both really, really good riders. And, uh, obviously Simon Yates was probably doing a little bit more work than Adam Yates because Adam Yates was riding in at the service of Pogacar. Actually, he had to go on the radio and ask permission to, uh, to, to be able to roll through. But I mean, once, once he got that okay from the team, it was clear that, they were not going to get caught because, you know, these guys were just not going to look at each other. They were just going to go yeah. to the finish. Uh, don't know, they usually, don't, don't they say that identical twins sometimes can communicate telepathically? Like, you I mean, know, I, they've spent so much time together that they don't have to say anything, yeah. probably. Right? I know. I know. I mean, listen, they've grown up to get racing bikes together. Uh, they look identical on the bike. I mean, you know, now obviously they're in a different team, but otherwise you would not be able to tell them apart. Uh, what an amazing, amazing moment to to witness! You know, twin identical twin brothers being one and two, and and, and coming together to the finish. You know, that's that's just that's just amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, I think I think for a guy like Adam Yates, who uh, after the stage clearly said, you know, that he was here to be at the service of Pogacar, uh, although the team was trying to deflect a little bit of attention and said, you know, he's our co-leader. He's not the co-leader. Pogacar is the leader. Right, right. Uh, and he made that very clear. But for him to to be able to win stage one, um, wear yellow. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I think the nice, the nice thing was also was that it in the last few hundred meters, it was clear who was the strongest because Simon Yates got dropped, right? He was cramping. It was not like I mean I would I, I wonder what they if they come would they would they have really sprinted like would they have sprinted full gas for it I mean that's that you know I was thinking okay Simon Yates won already stages in the tour uh, more than one hmm. uh, Adam Yates I don't think he won a stage in the tour he was fourth in the Tour de France one year and he won the the young competition he was he won the white jersey uh, it's already 
I think six or seven years ago. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, what a what an amazing thing to to see those two guys coming to the finish for the win. That was that was very special, very special to see. Well, you already uh, kind of answered part of my next question. You know, Adam Yates is there in service of Pogacar. So we know his goals for the remainder of the tour. What does this mean for Simon Yates? Is he mm-hmm. a stage hunter or a real contender for the uh, I, I think I think uh I think Simon Yates initially starts to to do the GC. Um he's a good climber. He has shown that he can be in the top of the Grand Tours. One of Vuelta a number of years ago has been trying to go for the Giro a few times, didn't work. Uh, and now, you know, without too much noise, without too much talking about him, but you know, he's, he's one of the guys, he's one of the top 10 guys, maybe top five guys, you know, and, and the team, his team, Jaiko Alula, I think is split in between him for GC and then sprints for, uh, Runewegen. So, um, you know, the fact that he's there, first of all, uh, with, with the best guys, I mean, he was not there with. With Vingegaard and and Pogacar and the other guy, the the that was a surprise actually. Victor Lafay, the Cofidis guy, to to be up there with the two best riders in the world. Um, but the fact that he was so close shows obviously that he's in good shape. It's you know it's a short climb, steep climb. This is their this is their specialty. Yeah, and the Yates brothers. But still, I mean, it's it's a proof that he's in great shape and. I think Simon Yates, uh, with this kind of start, for the moment, he's definitely going to pursue GC. All right. Now let's talk GC. Um, and you said it, Johan, on the preview show. Um, leading up to the preview show, people wondered about Pogacar's form, uh, not getting as much racing in because of his injury. But in the preview show, you you um, you uh, looked into some time trial stats of his that clearly showed he's on peak form. We got a good look at him today. And again, almost with a smile on his face, mm-hmm. he can do, do yeah. whatever he wants. So our, our two big GC contenders both look fantastic on day one. What did you observe? Well, I, I, what I saw was first of all, uh, Pogacar with a lot of confidence, uh, and his team, um, you know, the fact that they, and that's something that that you know it's on the one on the one hand it's good to see because it shows that they really believe his team UAE they believe in Pogacar from day one uh, because on on the second last climb and on the last climb both of those climbs they started the climbs full gas UAE as if they were doing a lead out for a Pogacar attack. Um, which I found a bit strange, actually. Um, uh, this is something, you know, everybody's nervous and, and, and you know, there's certain riders in the team who have a designated job, right? So, for example, I can only imagine from what, from going off from what I saw is that on the second last climb, Mikkel Björk, the Danish guy, had his mission was, Mikkel, you come into that climb and you go two kilometers full gas, with the intention to stretch out the peloton and with the intention that Pogacar doesn't have to fight for position because if it bunches up, you can lose positions. Uh, now, I think he did it a bit too good because he was going unbelievably fast. There was no, no way that anybody had to fight for position. So he, he, he did two kilometers at an extremely hard pace. And then 
there was no continuation of UAE and, and Jumbo Visma took over at a, uh, I'm not going to say a moderate pace, a fast pace, but they were in control. So that was something that I said, okay, now that's, that's strange to see Mikkel Bjergir going so fast and then basically not following up on it. Um, and then on the last climb, the same thing happened. Uh, at the bottom of the climb, we had this Austrian rider, uh, Felix Groschartner, who also had his mission. For sure, they said, okay, Felix, at the bottom of the last climb, you go to the front and you set a pace for one kilometer as fast as you can, uh, or a fast pace. Well, the, as fast as you can was really fast because he went away, and not just a little bit, like a lot. And then basically that effort that Groschartner did didn't really help UAE at all because, you know, they were, I mean, I think Jumbo Visma was, was chasing him down, but but then uh, Adam Yates had to do uh, the, the tempo. Um, I don't know what their intention was there. Uh, it looked to me like the intention was that Pogacar would attack. He tried, but... You know, to me, it, it didn't make any sense to attack there because on a climb that of two kilometers long, uh, he's not going to drop his main rival, Vingegaard. And that would be the only benefit of an attack, right? And if you attack on that climb, then you still have, um, I don't know how much it was, 10 kilometers to the finish. So even then, you know, if, if Pogaccia would have attacked and took 10 seconds on that climb, which was the maximum he could do, well, he knew that Jim Visma was going to have three or four guys and they would reel him back in. So it didn't make any sense. So what I saw was, uh, on the one hand, UAE, all the riders, very strong, really good condition. Not the smartest tactics, uh, in my opinion. Uh, it seems like, you know, once Pogacar's in the race and Pogacar shows that he's super strong and super confident, they kind of are out of control. Uh, they do their job too well. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes, and especially on day one, you need to be careful with what you do. But at least UAE gets away with the knowledge that their team is strong, that Pogacar are strong. And on top of that, they get the win uh, and the first yellow jersey, which is, of course, you know, independently whether you use, they use the right tactics or not, or whether they spend too much energy or not they start the Tour de France on a high and, you know, the confidence is there. The confirmation is there that they're, they, you know, there's always doubts of these riders. You know, they've done these training rides, they've done these altitude camps and there's always doubts of, okay, how good am I now in this bunch? So they got the answer. They, they already. Mm. So that's, that's what I saw. I, I can, I can kind of hear your voice in my head though. When you saw UAE like with these attacks going, guys, 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 this is my Johan guys, mm. guys, it's a three week race. It's a three week yeah. race, right? <laughs> that's what I can hear you saying. Whereas, uh, Jumbo Visma, on the other hand, they weren't panicking. They weren't attacking. Yeah. They were sticking together. They were just, yeah. they seemed to be more so in the mindset of patience, guys, patience. Is that yes, what you said? They rode smart. They rode smart. Uh, they uh, even Vingegaard himself, you know, when, you know, he, he seems to have matured as a rider because he knew Pogacar wasn't going to drop him on that climb. He stuck to his wheel. He kind of expected Pogacar to, to attack. Uh, never was in any problems when Pogacar asked him for a turn to do a turn. He said, no, 
clearly we saw that on TV and, and he knew that he had to, you know, he had to make, create a situation where two or three of his teammates came back, uh, first of all, to be around him, but also they definitely had a plan today that to, to have to try to have Walt Van Aert have the stage win. That didn't work because the Yates brothers had super legs and they couldn't catch them. That's as simple as that. That's also what Walt Van Aert said at the finish. You know, he, he tried and he, they were, they were, you know, the, the Yates brothers were uh, a bit stronger today than them. And it, it, uh, it was cool to see, I'm jumping back to Pogacar to see that celebration he had, uh, you know, a lot of people watching it were like, Oh, did he think he won? That wasn't the case at all. He, he got, you know, he probably saw his teammate up yes. the road celebrate. Cause I imagine with those crazy crowds, he didn't know from the radio that his teammate had won. It would have been difficult with all that noise and everything. Yeah. But I think he probably yeah. looked up the road and saw them celebrating, right? Definitely saw it. Definitely saw it. And um, and yeah, I mean, you know, his celebration was definitely one of joy. Uh, for sure, he didn't, you know, he did not think yeah. he had won. I'm, I'm sure about that. You know, maybe it's also, uh, you know, he, it's the first day in, in the Slovenian jersey. He's not probably not going to wear it anymore. <laughs> For the rest of the tour, so maybe he wanted the picture in his Slovenian jersey, winning. <laughs> you never um, think about them trying to stage a photo. Yeah, but uh, but no, it, I, you know, if you see the joy uh, and after the stage, you know the how happy he was for for Adam Yates. Uh, that was, I mean, obviously they the, their dinner table today is incredible, you know, and uh, you know they're gonna have more difficult times, but if you start like this. It's uh, it's it's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing feeling. Now, a couple teams um, having horrific luck, bad luck on day one, and you can tell us how this affects what they're going to do as a team. Both Movistar and EF. Uh, yeah. With the uh, Enric Moss already out, Carapaz pretty banged up, losing fifteen mm -hmm. minutes. He's yeah. not going to know how he feels until tomorrow morning, probably, or the next day. Uh, but rough start for those two teams what does this mean that's that's just the other side of the medal you know i mean you have uae you know euphoric and then you have and it can happen you know it can happen uh, and in the case of, of movistar for example they have they went to this tour de france with one leader one objective be on the podium the whole team around Enric mass and uh yeah on day one crashing like that and having to abandon it's it is it is the worst it's a disaster for them uh there's gonna be a you know i mean obviously it's a very experienced team they've been around for as long as i know cycling um but you know they have to readjust now you know and uh and they did a lot of training camps together you know obviously their talking strategy their training they see how their leader improves i think they all had confidence in him and so losing him on day one that's just that's just terrible. Uh, how to readjust? It'll take a few days. You know, there there's still good riders in there. It's going to be stage hunting, of course. Um, and then maybe uh, I, I didn't I didn't see how uh, how much time he lost, but uh, Matteo Jorgensen uh, will of course now have a free role and uh, can maybe uh, do a good GC. Um, you know, even if he lost couple of minutes this, today uh i think he still can do a good gc um but for those who a, don't know that's a, that's another uh, american hopeful on the rise yeah. 
Yeah. And and same thing too with EF. We got another American that might have some more freedom. Yes, with Nielsen Palace, who looked good. Yeah, today. same same thing. Same thing. They had one leader, Carapaz. They were also convinced that he could be on the podium. You know, he's been on the podium already, Grand Tour winner, won the Giro, Olympic champion. Uh, had this ambition, you know, uh, left Ineos uh, to go to EF to have, you know, the sole leadership of the team. And uh, he was able to continue uh, for some, at some point it didn't look really good. He was, he was, you know, really having a lot of trouble getting back on his bike. Um, he finished the race, obviously GC is over uh, and we'll see how he is tomorrow because tomorrow uh, that kind of, impact on the knees uh i think he hit both knees uh that's only going to be get worse tomorrow so um whether he can finish tomorrow's stage or not that's still that's still a question uh but you know at least he was able to finish the race and he's going to try to stay in the race um you know we've seen him do these things like having a bad first part of a grand tour and then go on last year for example he was not because of crashes but he lost a lot of time in the first week of the vuelta and went on to win three stages no so um we'll see um recovering from a bad crash like that in the tour de france that's a whole other game that's not easy it's really really difficult um on the other hand you know joy for nelson paulis who uh, was able to to get that sprint on on the second last uh, KOM, I guess. Uh, take five points and and be the first polka dot jersey uh, of the Tour de France. That's that's amazing. Um, yeah, and he's not Nielsen Palace is not just an opportunist grabbing points. No, I mean he's no. the real deal. <laughs> yeah, no, he can climb. He's a climber, so he can climb. Uh, he has experience in uh in grand tours and uh now i mean i think i think he did the giro a few times did the tour de france last year so um yeah i mean the 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 bad luck of carapaz could be could be a blessing for nelson paulus to be able to go his own chance and ride for a gc and i i think he's capable of going for a top 10 uh he definitely has it in his legs and and you know, uh, maybe get close to top five. Who knows? You know, he definitely he's a quality rider. Um, before we uh, take a look at tomorrow's stage, I want to get your thoughts on that real quick. There's an opportunity to win a Ventum NS1, the road bike, and it's easy to get into the drawing. It's super easy. Uh, we're going to do a trivia question every day. All you have to do is send in your answer. Uh, via email, trivia at VentumRacing.com. The question today is, and of course, you can use whatever resources you want to look this up. We, that doesn't matter. We just want you to play along. The question is, what is the highest mountain pass in this year's Tour de France? Mm. Okay, what is the highest mountain pass in this year's Tour de France? Just send it to trivia at VentumRacing.com. And just by entering that, submitting, you'll be eligible to win a complete NS1 at the end of the tour. So Great bike. Great yeah, bike. It is a my, great bike. My son is waiting for his. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I'm i on the NS1 and just got a GS1 a couple months ago. Loving it. Oh, wow. Absolutely yep. loving it. And you were right with, with the... Being over fifty, that geometry on the gravel bike, <laughs> told you, told a little, you. Mo little more friendly. 
<laughs> it's an awesome bike. Okay, now let's let take a look at uh, tomorrow again. A, an interesting stage for for GC and um, and some other opportunists, in particular, Wout Van Art and Matthew Vanderpool. Yeah, this kind of has um, their name all over it, does it not? Well, yeah, I mean it's it's the Basque Country, so you know there's there's a few categorized climbs, and then there's a bunch of <laughs> climbs that the guys will say what where where, where was this on the profile, right? <laughs> um, it is it is hard terrain, and and especially around San Sebastian, a lot of a lot of I mean all the riders know the area from the Clásica San Sebastian, which is the the, the first World uh, Tour race after the Tour de France. And they actually do uh, the 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 high ski bell, which is the, the the typical climb in in the in the Classica San Sebastian. Now, the difference is that the high ski bell uh, is done in, an, in in the opposite way, not the way that they usually go up, the 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 way that everybody knows, but on the other side. So they come up what normally they go down, and then they go down. I think the downhill is a bit steeper uh this this way down um and then they go to san sebastian so i think it's about 15 16 kilometers from the top of the climb to the finish um obviously not going to be a bunch sprint sprinters have no chance but strong riders who are fast have a chance so um the question is uh first of all what will uae do right they won the stage today they have the yellow jersey Will they try to keep the jersey? Um, my reply and my advice to them would be no. <laughs> Do not try to keep the jersey, but help, you know, they they go for everything nowadays. <laughs> so um I think it would not be smart to to really defend the jersey. Uh and if they keep it, it's possible they keep it, but it should be because other teams have different plans, right? Don't put your team to work to defend that jersey uh i think there's other interests there's for example in my opinion uh Mathieu van der Poel who wasn't able to hang today with uh, with uh, with the first group which was kind of a little bit expected he was he was himself in doubt whether he could make it or not uh, he already said that before the stage uh tomorrow he can definitely uh, do that it's longer it's not as steep uh, I think Mathieu van der Poel can do it tomorrow, uh, and definitely Walt van Aert. Uh, those two, but then there's other riders, right? There's other riders who, uh, you know, who, who were not there today, who could could also. But you know, if you if you talk about Pitcock, for example, could should be able to to, to get over it. Is a great descender. I mean, we, we all know that. So oh, yeah, who knows about that, right? If he makes it over the top and goes crazy downhill then who is going to follow him right um so so we'll we'll, we'll see about that but uh but i i think yeah i think a breakaway would has a chance although it is early in the tour you know and um and there's always at the beginning of the tour if there's still a yellow jersey up for grabs uh for i mean i i would i would need to check i, I think with the bonifications for Van Art, it's probably not, not going to be possible. But still, um, you know, um, it's not going to be a bunch print. Um, I don't, I do not expect to see any 
attacks uh, between the big favorites. Um, it's you know I, I think it's too risky and 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 too far. From, it's you know they're gonna they're gonna be in front, but if you attack on the high ski bail, for example, and you get five, 10, 15 seconds, then you need to take a bunch of risks in the downhill to try mm-hmm. to hold on to that difference. And I personally think it's not worth it. Um, so uh, we've so, seen yeah, that, I mean, we've seen that movie before with the, with those two GC guys yes, chasing yeah, each yeah. other downhill, and it almost yeah. ended ended a race for both of them. Yeah, yeah, hmm. interesting. Um, but you know, this is early in the so there's gonna be it's gonna be them and there's gonna be other riders. Uh, maybe yeah. you know if if they would go full gas on the high ski bill, there'd probably be both of them, and maybe a third or a fourth rider. But there's gonna be guys that are not far down who will come back, who can then you know try to something in the in the downhill or even in the last kilometers uh and it's going to be up to the team for example uh the teams to have enough numbers to to control the race for example if you look at today's performance of of Alpecin de Koning um van der Poel could make it if he has a good day uh but his team is not strong enough to have enough numbers over the high ski belt to then control the last part of the stage. Jumbo Visma is strong enough. They will have three or four riders, right? So in that case, I think Van Aert has a chance. And then a guy like Van der Poel, if he's there, he would have to gamble and, and let Jumbo Visma do the work and try to beat Van Aert in the sprint. He's done it in the past. Um, so I think those two riders, uh, Van Aert and, and, and Van der Poel, should be the two favorites for tomorrow's stage. but. You know, a lone attacker like Tom Pitcock, for example, could also get it or 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 anybody else. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, you and Spencer are going to dig into a few more of those names that might be a, yes. a little bit more of a yeah. long shot for outcomes. So you might want to check that out. Uh, before we wrap here today, I'm going to throw a quick question at you. I didn't run this by you before, but I know you know the answer offhand. This should be easy because I do want people to encourage people to write in to us and, and uh, ask Johan anything. This question is um, on TV, they show highlights of the riders training at home in full kits. Is it part of their contract that anytime they are on a bike, it needs to be in team apparel and your bike sponsor? Can yeah. riders have sponsorships outside of the team sponsorships? That's from mm-hmm. Tim in Atlanta. Yeah. Normally, you're, uh, you're supposed to ride always in your team kit. You know, you're, you have a contract with your team. They pay your salary, a full-time salary, 12 months a year. So you're supposed to advertise your sponsors all the time. Um, normally, you can't have any competing sponsors. Uh, you can have private sponsors as long as they're not competing with any of the team sponsors. Now, there's one, there's a few uh, exceptions to this. Uh, one of them, for example, is, and I've, I've, I'm always asking myself the question, you know, I mean, he must have a special uh, condition in his contract. Is uh, is Rigoberto Uran? Rigoberto Uran has his own brand. He has his own brand, Go Rigo, uh, and I, I see him training all the time in his clothes, in hmm. and not in EF clothes, or or very very seldom. You know, when whenever he's on social media, he's on his in his clothes and actually promoting his clothing brand. Hmm. So. Um, I don't know how that works. Um, he must have uh, a special clause in it, but but normally 
uh, when you're out on uh, on training at training camps, uh, training by yourself, uh, at any time you're supposed to you're supposed to ride in the in the team clothes. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for sending that question in, uh, Tim. We really appreciate it. And you can send in questions for future shows. Anything you want to ask Johan, send it to the move at we do.team. I need to check. Didn't we do JB squared at we do.team at one I point? I, I'll I, double I, check on that today. <laughs> We're getting back into the groove. In fact, Spencer is waiting in the wings here uh, in Aspen, Colorado to jump in so you guys can do outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, so you can get their more in depth predictions on tomorrow's show uh, by getting a season pass at we do.team. So, Johan, thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. And on video for the first time, not that we're the prettiest people on earth, but uh, <laughs> reaching those YouTube people who uh, were wondering where you were. So yeah. thank you okay. very much for your time and input. Thank you, JB. Speak tomorrow.